Fight, fight, fight for Washington State. Win the victory. Win the day for Crimson and Gray. Best in the West. We know we'll all do our best. So on, on, on for it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Dane and Nick Show, and we will be breaking down WSU football this week. We are in part eight, part nine of a 12-part segment. We've covered pretty much every spring football team in the Pac-12, or every team's spring preview edition, however you want to phrase that. But as you guessed it, with the fight song at the top, we will be talking about the Cougs this week. So, as always, this is the Dane and Nick Show. We like to give you some fun information, some facts, and then get you on your way. Get the get the heck out of here. So, we'll be covering the Cougs. Hey, Dane, s- 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 stop messaging me right now, bud. I'm trying to record a segment. Alright, so... And kind of to break down the preview of this podcast, I'll be talking about the roster and uh, the offense and defense in its entirety during my body. Dane will have his intro and he'll break down the schedule in its entirety at the end. And I'll get us started with some fast facts here off the top. So with the big picture for WSU, as I just mentioned, Dane will break down the schedule in its entirety at the end, go game by game. But just... You have to notice the easy schedule. It's very big for a new head coach, Nick Rolovich, a new offensive system, and a new quarterback since Anthony Gordon's gone. So to have this very easy schedule at the top really should benefit the Cougs. I mean, they start off at Utah State and then follow that with Houston and at Idaho. And their first Pac-12 game is on the road at Oregon State, who is trying to replace quarterback Jake Luton. On top of that, Utah State and Houston both have new quarterbacks, along with Oregon State. And while Idaho is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're generally a cupcake y'all so the new head coach is going to be Nick Rolovich who's taking over for Mike Leach Mike Leach had a lot of success in Pullman and Rolovich does have his work cut out for him he was 10 and 5 last year at Hawaii talking about Nick Rolo here 28 and 27 in four years as the head coach at Hawaii and for me I know a lot of people in the Pullman community are pretty excited about Rolovich the guy was 28 and 27 in four years in a mid-tier conference that, those numbers don't scream superstar or massive success right off the bat. 10-5 and five was impressive last year, but again, 28-27, and 27, I mean, it's essentially 500. That's not, eh, you know? And he also has a reputation to uphold, because as mentioned, Leach led the Cougs to five straight bowl games, so it's not like he's walking into a no-pressure type situation. Granted, WSU can be considered a stepping stone school in terms of going off to big job offers, but to have five straight bowl games of five straight bowl games, regardless of the program, regardless of the conference, regardless of anything else, that random words I can think of here. So another main thing and big takeaway is who's going to replace quarterback Anthony Gordon. He's now in the NFL, and the new quarterback options include freshman Jaden Delora, I believe he's the incoming freshman, redshirt freshman Gunnar Cruz, sophomore Cameron Cooper, and redshirt John Bledsoe. So there's going to be a definite battle next year for the quarterback position. Should be wide open. Haven't heard anything about any person who would be the front runner. Normally in my intro, I would dive back to last year's schedule. But with a new head coach, a new offensive system, a new quarterback, and essentially everything's new besides for a bunch of returners on the defensive side of the ball, I don't really see the point. The one game we'll talk about is they blew a 35 500-point lead against the Bruins last year, and I think that really just sent their season in a downward spiral. It was a game on September 21st last year, and UCLA ended up winning 67-63. In all seriousness, the Cougs were seriously up by like 30 points. I don't know the exact number, but they did blow it, and that kind of set their season on a downward spiral. So for me, 
That's my introduction from C the 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 C the the Town down to Tucson, Arizona. It's always good to hear from you, bud. And let's get us started down south. All right, yeah, checking in here in Tucson, uh, fifty or sixty miles from the border of Mexico. So uh, it was like one hundred and four today, and normally that's June weather. So we're about a month um, into summer more than we should be. So, uh, yeah. Um, but looking at Washington state for the season, if you aren't familiar with Hawaii and what Rolovich did down there, he basically revitalized that program over about a four year period, uh, and made them one of the best in the mountain West. And he did that with his offensive, uh, style. It's, uh, he calls it the run and shoot. If you didn't know the term, it's basically the same as a spread pass with a little bit more um, like run plays. Uh, But it's essentially the exact same system. It's four wide receivers, one running back, throw the ball over the field, no huddle pretty much, uh, up-tempo. And he was able to get Cole McDonald. uh, He's their quarterback out there at Hawaii, uh, uh, you know, Great stats, um, very efficient, uh, throwing the ball, and lots of yards. It's exciting to watch. Um, and if you remember, Hawaii last year beat Arizona and Oregon State. So he built that program. You know, they're not a pushover. And he should fit in well with Washington State. Um, he already has the pieces to fit his system, so it's not like a complete revamp. And he's basically going to hit the ground running. Um, So I guess the biggest thing for me moving forward is the quarterback situation. Uh, Who's going to be running that system and how well they're able to, you know, execute, learn the playbook. And um, that's pretty much it. I think their primary um, way of winning games is going to be to score more points than the other team. Don't know how much defense is going to be um, focused on. Uh, during the Rolovich era, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump into their schedule. I'm a little bit um, different viewpoint for their schedule than Nick, and I think it's a little bit tougher than um, what Nick mentioned in the intro, but I'll get into that at the closing, and uh, for now, I'll toss it back up to uh, what I can only assume is a, a rainy and still kind of cold um, Seattle. Okay, so this is going to be my body segment here. And just for the sake of organization, I'm going to start on the offensive side of the ball, work my way to defense, and then I'll kind of highlight some specific players and throw in some random obscure stats at the end. We'll see if the random obscure stats make the cut. But offense, defense, and some players to look out for. So first and foremost, the run and shoot offense relies heavily, heavily on the wide receiver and a quarterback combination. Essentially, what's... A lot of people think there's similarities between Mike Leach's air raid and Nick Rolovich's run and shoot, but the run and shoot gives receivers a lot of freedoms to adjust their routes on the fly. So in any given play, they could be running five, six, seven different routes. We'll, we'll say at least three. Quote me on at least three, not six or seven. Maybe though. Ser- seriously, maybe. So 
missing spring ball is really going to hurt the Cougs. You got that new quarterback. And all these receivers now, I mean, they don't have time to make these adjustments. And this is a hard offensive system on the wide receivers. I mean, it it's definitely requires a high level of football IQ, repetition, and consistency. And they're not going to get that opportunity. They're just not going to get that opportunity. So what do the Cougs have? They return running back Max Borgie. He can be the beneficiary of all this. I mean, I think that with the limited practices in spring, you have to go to your main horse. And, well, he was the guy last year. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. I'm trying to pull up his stats. They seem to have el- elusified me. That's, is that even a word? All right, so I guess I'm hopping into players as part of the offense. So Max Borgie had 817 rush yards, 11 touchdowns, and 86 receptions for 597 yards and 5 touchdowns. This is an offense that likes to throw in Mike Leach's air raid. And the dude put up 800 yards on the ground, more than 10 touchdowns, then added almost 100 catches and nearly 600 yards with five tutties. I mean, that's 16 touchdowns and over 1,400 yard. I don't know, like over 1,300 yards total. That's a lot of production. So having him back is going to be absolutely amazing. In two seasons in the Pac-12, he's totaled more than 2,000 yards from the line of scrimmage and 28 touchdowns. And again, this is in a system in the air raid that did not want to run the ball. So he could be the real truth and the real, real stud who needs to carry the Cougs offense at the beginning of the year. On top of that, they don't have a quarterback who's taken a snap, literally at the college level. So as we mentioned at the top, new quarterback, new coach, new system. And on top of that, the offense loses three wideouts who totaled 221 catches and 26 touchdowns last year. That's a lot of productivity to make up for. Just a lot of uncertainty and productivity. The nice thing with Mike Leach's recruiting is even though he probably didn't get the elite, you know, talent that other Pac-12 schools are able to get, like Oregon or UW, WSU is probably never going to be able to recruit at this high of a level. They always had, seemingly, or at least it felt like, very solid wideouts and very solid quarterbacks. So you'd think there'd be some sort of spillover from the Leach. It'll be interesting to see if Rolovich can get the most out of these players. That, that's for darn sure. So, on the positive note for the Cougs, they do return wideout Renard Bell, Travell Harris, and Tay Martin. Each of them had 43 receptions at least and four touchdowns last season. So as I mentioned, the depth of receivers still there. There's still some guys who can make plays. And it should be interesting to see how they fulfill their roles in the new role of its offense. On top of that, you return... I mean, this is telling you how bare the offense is. Uh, they return <laughs> place kicker Blake Mazza, who was uh, uh, first team All-Pac-12 last year. I mean, it, it helps to have a good kicker when uh, everything else is so uncertain, but I don't think he's going to change the trajectory of the year. But, as, hey, if the Cougs can keep some games close, he can win them down the stretch. So it's all—it's not a bad thing to have an all-pack 12 kicker on your roster. That's for darn sure. Don't mean to make fun of him, but when that's coming this early in the conversation, they may have some bigger priorities to worry about. Another kind of consistent thing of, of Mike Leach is it felt like he improved the offensive line in a stint in WSU. And they do return three starters, and they're led by second team All Pac 12 right tackle in Abraham Lucas. He's six foot seven and 324 pounds. So, three returning offensive linemen and a very solid playmaker and running back, Max Borgie. They should have something. They should have something in terms of the running game. The offense may look a little bit different than last year. I mean, it definitely will. You know, it's not the air raid anymore, but they do have something. So, let's just start with that. Again, in terms of the passing attack, the run-and-shoot likes to throw 67% of the time, while the air raid likes to throw 80% of the time. With all with the lack of continuity, it'll be interesting to see if Rolovich may tilt those numbers a little bit more in the running favor, maybe make it more 50-50. But again, the run-and-shoot offense does like to throw 67% of the time. 
At least that was the number last season at Hawaii. It was either 67% or 63%. I answered this question earlier this week, so 63 or 67%. Bottom line is, approximately two-thirds of the time, they're trying to throw the ball. Again, the four quarterbacks, you have Jaden Delora, who's probably going to be your best dual-threat option, redshirt freshman Gunnar Cruz, sophomore Cameron Cooper, and son of WSU legend John Bledsoe, who's the son of Drew Bledsoe. None of them have thrown a pass in a college game. And as I mentioned, probably 18 times already, so go for number 19. The lack of his spring practices could really hurt WC's passing attack. I just don't see any way they're going to be able to come out that first game and perform with the lack of repetitions. Receivers really, really, really are going to have to study their playbook and somehow find a way to get some repetitions in with the quarterback. You can still throw passes with social distancing, right? Sanitize the ball, use gloves. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, getting a little ahead of myself there. Listen to the people in charge, the health inspectors, whatever you call them. They're not health inspectors. Listen to the health officials. Don't don't listen to my health advice. So we're going to hop over defense now. And the Cougs definitely are kind of weak on this side of the ball, to be quite frank. They'll need to suffice with intelligence and not making big mistakes. So just, you know, make the solid reads, make the solid tackles. Instead of giving up big plays, make your opposition really work their way down the field. That's how WCU's defense is going to make a stand and improve their terrible stats from last year. So as mentioned at the top, with the week's schedule, Utah State is a new quarterback. So does Houston, Idaho, a cupcake, and Oregon State is a new quarterback. So in those first four games, the defense should have a nice little trial period. I mean, if they can't get it done against those teams, forget about it. Their season's over. They're going to get waxed, man. They're going to get waxed. So they have a nice break-in period. But one, one very promising thing, again, these guys were not successful last year, but the defense does return eight starters who allowed 31.4 points per game in 93 which is good for 93rd in the nation. I shouldn't say those eight. They returned eight starters in the defense in its entirety last year, allowed 31.4 points per game, which is good for 93rd in the nation, and last in the Pac-12, allowing 185.5 rushing yards per outing. I have yards per outing. I believe that's supposed to be rushing yards. I forgot to type it. 111th in total yards per game on defense, allowing 452.5. So really, their defense was just not, <laughs> not looking good last year. Gave up 30 or more points eight times last season with seven of these against Pac-12 opponents. But the one kind of cool thing is they do have a new defensive coordinator in Jake Dykert. And he led the Wyoming Cowboys to 11th right defense, which only allowed 17.8 points per game, 12th in rushing yards last year, and 107.1 yards per game, and 43rd in total yards with 363.8 yards per game. Wow. Whew. That was a lot of freaking stats to reel off there. Oh, yeah, one final one. While, while we're at it, um, Jake... What, what's my dude's name again? The new defensive coordinator, Jake something? Jake, <laughs> sorry, new to me too. Uh, Jake Dickert's defense last year, Jake Dykert's defense uh, finished with 83 tackles for a loss last season. So they were able to make some plays at Wyoming. Again, we'll see how that transits into the Pac-12. You know, they have a lot of mid-major level coaches, and I'm not saying they can't get it done, but this is a new higher level of football. So it'll just be interesting to say the least to see how it kind of transitions. Bottom line, the defense has to improve and must find a way to be better against the run. That's the only way this is going to work. So again, to summarize really quickly, I'm going to knock down the players. We're not throwing out the obscure stats. Don't got enough time. Let's let my dude Dane get his shine. So again, running back Max Borgie already set his stats. So he's going to be the man to watch and probably the Cougars' best offensive weapons. Uh, could be one of the best backs in the Pac-12 next year. That's a fact. He really is that good. <laughs> the place kicker baby Blake Mazza. 20 for 21 field goals last year. They have a senior safety in Skylar Thomas, 72 tackles, 
four interceptions, three pass breakups, and two fumble recoveries. Junior outside tackle Lucas Abram and linebacker Justus Rogers with 70 tackles and 4.5 tackles for loss. I think the Cougs will win around six games next year, maybe five. They'll be on that brink of a bowl game. I don't see a massive downfall or a massive rise to the top. Just kind of stay level, stay consistent. As I mentioned, now we're going for time number 20. The lack of spring practices will probably hurt this team more than any other team in the conference just because their run-and-shoot offense relies so heavily on wide receivers reading the D. For that, that's what I got from Seattle. That was a lot of stats. I'm going to send it down to Dane. Take us out here. I almost forgot Dane's name for a second. Dane's the man. That can't be happening. Sorry, Dane, man. I've been saying too many names here. So down to Tucson we go. Thanks for tuning in this week. And as always, adios. Sayonara, Reese's Pieces, and t- Tuna and Cheetos. So taking a look at the schedule for 2020 for the Cougars, the opening two games against Utah State and Houston are going to be tough matchups. I mentioned in my intro that I was a little bit more, I guess, pessimistic about the season um, schedule-wise, and I didn't think it was as easy uh, as Nick was mentioning. So I, I still think... Um, that that holds true, and it it's, has to do with these opening games in the non-conference. Uh, so you have Idaho, Houston, and Utah State. The game at is at Utah State, and uh, Houston comes to Pullman. So in all likelihood, you're probably going to end up one and one in those. And if I had to guess, I'd say the loss was out there in, in Utah against uh, Utah State. And then Oregon State um, is the opener for the Pac-12 season. The game is in Corvallis. I think Oregon State is going to be a little bit better than people are expecting this season, but both Wazoo and the Beavs have new quarterbacks, so it's really unclear uh, who's going to win that one. If I had to guess, it's a 50-50 toss-up at this point, and because the game's in Corvallis, I might give a slight edge to OSU, though if Washington State opens up the year uh, 2-0 or 3-0, uh, I would definitely pick the Cougars. So my um, analysis of this uh, Oregon State game is going to be highly dependent on how they do against Utah State and Houston. Uh, and then California comes to Pullman. Uh, Cal is going to be one of the better teams in the conference next season. I think Washington State keeps it close, but in the end, California gets them on that one. Similar situation with Utah coming to Pullman the next week. Um, Utah's in a, in a bit of a rebuild on both sides of the ball, most of the quarterback position on offense and several key players on defense. So it's really an unknown factor what the Utes are going to be, if they're going to be uh, on the same level as they have been the past few seasons. And because of those unknown factors, it's really hard to predict this game. I certainly think Washington State can win, but I would give the edge to Utah. And following week, Cougars go to Stanford. I have um, checked out from the Stanford bandwagon, and I think David Shaw is not the right leader of that program at this point in time. I know they had a lot of injuries last season, but I think the Cougars uh, win that game at Stanford. And then Arizona State comes to town in Pullman for a Halloween showdown. Should be a fantastic game um, and really fun to go to if you have the opportunity. I would pick Arizona State to win, but because of the travel time and potential weather factors, it's really a a toss-up game, uh, which is a common theme with the Cougs this season in the analysis of the schedule. A lot of toss-up games, a lot of unknown factors. You really can't predict 
um, anything until you see them play, uh, you know, in the non-conference, and then you have a much better idea of how they'll do in conference play. But following that, uh, the Cougs go to Colorado out there in Boulder. I'll go ahead and give Washington State the edge in that one. And then they go to UCLA, so it's two row games in a row. The game in Pasadena against UCLA is going to be tough, but the revenge factor of from what happened last season in Pullman is going to be a major motivator uh, that Rolovich is going to use to um, really push his players you know, to that next level for that game. And there's a great possibility that Washington State you know, gets its revenge and beats UCLA, though um, it's another toss-up. You never know. It's going to be closer than expected. Either way, it's going to be a battle. Uh, overtime could even be a possibility in that one. And then Oregon comes to town. Uh, at this point of the season, Oregon is going to be looking to impress the college football playoff committee as much as they can. If everything goes right with Tyler Show and that um, talented defense, they're going to be either one loss or undefeated. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon won that one in a blowout by uh, three, four, maybe even five touchdowns. And then to end the year, uh, to end the, year the Apple Cup, Washington comes to Pullman um, for the first time in maybe, you know, five years plus. Uh, this is going to be almost an even matchup on paper. Um, you know, the Huskies have a new program, uh, a new coach, a new system. And so a uh, new quarterback, it's going to be um, a great chance for Washington State to pull it out. And by this time of the year, the offense is going to be rolling. Rolovich is going to be, um, you know, his players are going to understand what he's expecting of them, how to run the system, the entire playbook, routes, all that that Nick was mentioning. Uh, in regard to the run and shoot. So that's another toss-up game. So the, the common factor um, throughout the Cougs season is unknown, 50-50 chance. A lot of programs around the Pac-12 are in similar rebuilds. And so that leaves a wide open door, a uh, possibility of a bowl game. I tend to um, err more on the side of caution. I actually think the Cougs are going to struggle in that opening game against Utah State. And it's going to be a really interesting matchup against Houston in week two. And if they are not prepared for Oregon State to open up the conference play, uh, it could be a long season out there in Pullman.